Good morning, everyone. A happy Thanksgiving to you all. It was a few weeks ago that Mari and I sat down to start planning this service. And the big question, of course, was what does Thanksgiving look like in 2020? Because it's been a rough year. Uh, it started off with Australia on fire, remember that, and went downhill from there. The coronavirus pandemic has taken the lives of nearly 10,000 Canadians and more than a million people worldwide. That is a lot of families in mourning. Add to that the economic trauma of lost jobs, closed businesses, and ongoing unemployment. And even for those of us who are doing well, it's been a hard adjustment with exhausting changes to work protocols, longer hours, being cut off from family and friends, and just the simple irritation of wearing a mask everywhere you go. So what does Thanksgiving look like in 2020? We thought it would be good for us to turn to Paul, to his letter to the Philippians. We picked uh, Philippians because it's got a kind of a different feel than many of his other letters. Paul has a well-deserved reputation for being grumpy. For instance, he told the Galatians, whom he called foolish, that he wished that those leaders that are such big fans of circumcision would go all the way and emasculate themselves. Grumpy indeed. Still, it's, it's good to turn to Paul today. When he wrote to the Philippian Christians, he was having a bad year as well. He was writing for prison without much hope of getting free anytime soon. But Paul writes a surprisingly positive, to, uh, a surprisingly positive letter. This is Paul at his best. And this text has much in it to instruct and encourage us today. And so to Philippians chapter 4, we start the reading at uh, verse 4 and we'll go to verse 20. Rejoice in the Lord always. I will say it again. Rejoice. Let your gentleness be evident to all. The Lord is near. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation, by prayer and petition, with thanksgiving, present your requests to God. And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. Finally, brothers and sisters, whatever is true, whatever is noble, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is admirable, if anything is excellent or praiseworthy, think about such things. Whatever you have learned or received or heard from me or seen in me, put it into practice, and the God of peace will be with you. I rejoice greatly in the Lord that at last you renewed your concern for me. Indeed, you were concerned, but you had no opportunity to show it. I'm not saying this because I am in need, for I have learned to be content whatever the circumstances. I know what it is to be in need, and I know what it is to have plenty. I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. I can do all this through him who gives me strength. Yet it was good of you to share in my troubles. Moreover, as you Philippians know, in the early days of your acquaintance with the gospel, when I set out from Macedonia, not one church shared with me in the matter of giving and receiving, except you only. For even when I was in Thessalonica, you sent me aid more than once when I was in need. Not that I desire your gifts. What I desire is that more be credited to your account. I have received full payment and have more than enough. I am amply supplied now that I have received from Epaphroditus the gifts you sent. They are a fragrant offering, an acceptable sacrifice, 
pleasing to God. And my God will meet all your needs according to the riches of his glory in Christ Jesus. To our God and Father be glory forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. So here Paul calls for joy in the blessings we have. It is really, in fact, a call for celebration, which is more than rejoicing. We often think of joy as a, as a kind of inner state, a happiness that rises from within, says uh, Bible scholar N.T. Wright. Paul is calling here for more than that. He wants the people around us to see an outer celebration, one that gets people's attention. Wright points out that all around the early Christians in the wider society, their pagan neighbors had all kinds of public festivals, athletic games, and various shows to celebrate their civic pride and their gods, not the least of all their newest god, Caesar himself. Why shouldn't the followers of the King of Kings, Jesus Christ, not celebrate him with a visible exuberance for all to see? It's a good reminder of the greatness of our God in hard times. Because even as separated as we are from one another, we are connected to our God in prayer. As Paul says, he is always nearby. To, to him we lift up all our needs and requests, as Paul directs us in verse 6. And so the God of peace will give us the peace of God. Because even in, good, in, in hard times, there are good things to be thankful for. There's plenty of bad things to get worked up about, of course. Uh, Wright decries the habits of the mind instilled by the modern media whose stock in trade is anything that is untrue, unholy, unjust, impure, ugly, of ill repute, vicious, and blameworthy. This is not a true representation of the good and beautiful world that God has made. So then to encourage our thanksgiving, we ought to seek out the good, whatever is true, whatever is lovely and excellent, and so on. Because you cannot be thankful when you're always focused on the ugliness that is around us. And so if, if you haven't already, I encourage you to count your blessings by taking the guided gratitude walk, which Maria put together and, and Sonia sent out via email on Saturday afternoon. It's a sort of on-the-spot liturgy of joy and thanks for so much that God has done and is doing for us. It's it's a reminder to celebrate that Christ delivers blessings. For Paul, the good things include the Philippians themselves. He expresses his gratitude to them and for them in verse 10 and in the verses that follow. You may remember Paul's ministry in Philippi didn't go all that well. Uh, he and Silas were arrested there. They were severely beaten and thrown in jail. Their miraculous release from chains was a, just a brief positive interlude on the way to being kicked out of the city. So imagine what a joy it was for him years later to be stuck again in prison, not just overnight, but for months, and then in the midst of that trouble to welcome a surprise messenger from Philippi who came bearing a financial gift. And it must have been a substantial one, given that the, the Philippians had also paid the traveling expenses so that it could be delivered in person. Paul adds the people that support him in prayer and in all other ways as yet another sign of the blessing of God. And I think his joy was greater because at the time uh, that Epaphroditus arrived, Paul had already arrived himself at contentment. And for him to say, I've learned to be content, whatever the circumstances, that's quite a statement. 
because the range of his experiences in verse 12 is broad. It's, it's from need to plenty. It is from well-being, uh, from being well-fed to being hungry. He is content because he has a deep and unshakable confidence in Christ's care. Christ gives him strength and thus the ability to rest in a prison cell contented. We can similarly reflect, what is our source of strength? Right? So much has been stripped away from us, from comforting routines to the close connections of our many and vital relationships. And so the question is, can we view the pandemic restrictions, certainly far less than what Paul was enduring, as a chance to engage, to reinvigorate our own relationship with Christ, who is nearby, never far away, whose, whose spirit resides within us? We are blessed also to know, as Paul did, that God will meet all our present and future troubles. As I said, Paul is grateful for the blessings of others, but he also kind of threads a needle here, right? He, he's grateful for the Philippians and, and their care of him. But he says, you know, even before your generous gift arrived, I was already content because of Christ. In verses 14 to 18, he testifies to his uh, robust trust in God for all things. And he pronounces those same blessings that he enjoys on others. Paul knows that, that those who are reading his letter face trouble, right? The, the persecution that he faced in Philippi was not personal in that it, it didn't go away when he left. He was persecuted for the gospel, the very one that the Philippians had taken up for themselves. The, the enemies of the gospel remained there in Philippi where these Christians were living. And so too for us. Paul may not have realized that his letter was going to be passed on from church to church all the way through, through centuries of history. But we can take the same comfort in the blessings that, that Paul is pronouncing on the Philippians. Because Paul is confident of their care through Christ. He says, your needs will be met. And that's because their needs are resourced according to the riches they have in Christ. And that is an infinite well to draw from. Right? Paul knows. He makes the promises based on what he himself has experienced. It was, it was just a few centuries later in a sermon on this same passage that the church patriarch, John Chrysostom, noted the connection that Paul makes in verse 6 between prayer and petition and thanksgiving. And Chrysostom, too, knew a few things about suffering and being in need. He said this, Christ wills that our prayers should not simply be requests, but thanksgivings too for what we have. For how should they ask for future blessings who are not thankful for those given in the past? May it be so for us. Let us give thanks in celebration, even in hard times, because Christ has already met our needs according to the riches of his glory. And all God's people said, Amen. Please pray with me. Lord Jesus, with great thanksgiving in our hearts, we come to you at the end of this message. We're, we're grateful because we know that you have supplied so much to us. We pray, Lord, for those who are suffering this year because of the pandemic or because of other troubles that are racking this world. We pray that you would give comfort to those who grieve. 
Lord God, in the midst, midst of trouble, we ask, too, that you would open our eyes to see the blessings that you have given to us in loving relationships, in the care that we have uh, just through a, a tremendously blessed and robust uh, medical system, uh, the food on our tables, the roofs over our head. Lord, for so many things, we give you thanks. Not least of all, Lord God, we know that despite the trouble that we have in this life, we have through salvation that you have given us by your blood, the assurance of an eternity with you where every tear will be wiped away and every trouble will not be remembered. Lord God, thank you. Thank you for the generous blessings that you've given to us in abundance out of your, the greatness of your riches and glory. In your name we pray. Amen.